today we have a first. It's never happened before, but I am going to have a guest on Witch Church Live today, and you know them from a previous episode of the podcast. Um, their name's Ash Gravity. She or they have come on the podcast before with me to talk about highly sensitive people and um, Saturn and uh, you know all this good stuff. So their episode is on actual witch church, and today though I invited them on to come live with me and uh, talk about their new self-published book how to burn your life down. So just hanging out here waiting for Ash to join. Uh, I'm so excited to talk to them about this book and it just felt right. You know, Saturn is moving into Pisces, Jupiter is moving into Aries soon, and Pluto is moving into Aquarius. Like we have so many outer planets that are going to shift in the next four to six months. And I just think it's a perfect time to, you know, discuss some of this stuff. Um, so we'll wait for Ash to join. I see they, they're in the live. Uh, and my internet might be a little slow, so I'm keeping my fingers crossed that we're all good. Um, the other thing that I'll say once... Um, Oh, Alice, he said that sounds exactly what I need right now. Yes, that's what I was feeling because I was talking about this actually with my roommate um, and we were saying that the past three years have been like 10 years or even a lifetime of like psychological reworking sort of done all in within these three years. So I think a lot of us actually have burned our lives down you know, in, um, in the past couple years. And I think there's some, I think there's definitely some, um, things we can kind of marinate on with potentially dealing with the aftermath of that. <laughs> I definitely have burned my life down, I think in the past three years, or at least maybe not necessarily burned my life down, but burned a, burned an idea of what my life was supposed to be down. Um, <laughs> so I, I definitely want to get Ash's take. Okay, so I see they are popping in. Um, live works because sometimes it's a little it's a little um, rocky. Um, <laughs> knock on wood. Um, comment below, how are we doing this morning? Thanks for joining. And uh, today, I think I think the moon's still in Libra. Let me see here. Uh, uh, yep, we still got a moon in Libra. And uh, this conversation is happening as the moon squares Pluto. So that's perfect, too. Hey, Ash, yay, how's it going? Hi. Good. Yeah, I was I was just telling here. the Witch yeah. Church crew, obviously I've had guests on my actual podcast before, but I don't think I've ever had a guest on Witch Church Live. But I, uh, I <laughs> <laughs> so I do think there was just something really strong in my intuition, which was just like, we got to have Ash on. I'm so impressed by your self-publishing journey. And uh, yeah, tell us tell us a little bit about how um, your book, How to Burn Your Life Down, how did it come about? Was it purposeful or was it like a collection of journals you've been keeping over like 10 years? Tell us just a little bit about how the book got created. Yeah, it's a really good question. So um, I started working on okay. the book like six years ago, actually. So I started working on this when I was at the beginning of my Saturn return. So I love that you mentioned Saturn is going to be moving into Pisces. There's a whole new group of people that are going to be going through their Saturn return, obviously. Um, 
I did not know that that was kind of what was pushing me, inspiring me maybe to write the book at that time. I was more writing a memoir at that point in time about my life getting divorced, coming out as a lesbian. Uh, when I got divorced, I was 24 and I ended up quitting my job that I'd like worked really hard to get. And I moved across the country and I was working on all these vegetable farms and kind of like you said, like changing my perspective on what my life was supposed to look like. And that like laid the foundation for everything, you know, that's happened since that laid the foundation for me to end up becoming a professional astrologer, something I had not even considered as a potential career path or anything at that point in time. So I wrote the draft of that memoir okay. and then I just put it away and it's been sitting, you know, on my computer all the whole time Saturn's been in Aquarius, have not touched it up until um, this fall. And I knew I wanted to put out a book this fall. I just like had this feeling that this fall is the time for me to do that. And then I, talk to a few people who are in my audience about um, just like what kind of product maybe should I make? And the product that I kept hearing everyone mention that this is something that was really helpful to them, something that they used a lot was journal prompts, like books that have lots of journal prompts, books that have little reflection kind of activities. And I was like, I got no shortage of journal prompts that I can give to you. Um, and so I thought that I was going to make a uh, kind of like a collection of journal prompts. And then as I was sharing it with my partner, she had read the original draft of my memoir and she thought, I actually think maybe these go together. I think maybe this memoir, the stories that you wrote about how you burned your life down goes with the journal prompts of, um, that you're writing now and all of the activities that you're creating. So then I ended up putting them together. Wow, that is so awesome. And I think there, there's such serendipity in the timing of this publication because, I mean, it's been a wild, wild ride the past three years. I said this before you popped on, but I feel like the collective has done even like lifetimes of psychological reprogramming in the past three years. And something that the the material world has sort of set up for us in the past three years is multiple opportunities to burn our lives down as your, your title suggests. And I know you're a practitioner, I'm a practitioner, we've held space for many different people burning their lives down during the pandemic. Um, something that kind of comes to mind though, Ash, I mean, we will talk about maybe how to know when it's time to burn your life down. But something I do want to say is um, what happens almost after you decide to do that, it almost reminds me of like the first year I decided to go to therapy. The whole everybody told me okay go to therapy go to therapy it's gonna be great you'll love it i was a disaster the first week the first year of therapy i almost felt worse yep. and it wasn't because of my therapist being bad or anything i mean she's just amazing i still work with her but the first time you actually start pulling out all of this stuff like it feels like shit, you know? So I don't know if you could speak to sort of any trials and tribulations that you faced within that like initial, like, okay, I, I decided to change, but things aren't getting better right away. Like, do you, do you kind of get what I'm saying? Okay. Oh, you sometimes it seems like the easiest option is to just start from scratch, you know? And so when I was 24, that's basically what I did. I literally like my life completely changed. Every aspect of my life completely changed. And I think at that point in my life, that was really good for me, but also I was grumpy. I was not happy. 
you know, I was, and I write about how I was living on this farm in California and I'd been there for two months. My roommate changed. And so it was another transition and an already extremely transitional time. And it was one that I didn't choose, one that I didn't have control over. And then this very nice man became my roommate, but I was just like so rude because I was past my capacity. I was like too much, there's too much transition, too much change. And um, he really was just like the perfect person for me to meet at that point in my life because he really put it back to me. Like if you're still unhappy, then you don't have to stay here. Just because you decided that you wanna do this doesn't mean that you have to stay here. So that was very early on one of the things that I observed and then as I was writing the book and even writing about things that have happened over the past few years with the pandemic, um, my partner and I had a business that was basically devastated by the pandemic. Plus we had a huge natural disaster that happened during the pandemic. I ended up having like major health issues during that time. So these were all things that were totally out of our control, but they kind of forced us to burn our life down. And so I talk about both when you choose to burn your life down and when the universe basically forces you to burn your life down. And the thing that was interesting to me about it is that the way that I react is kind of the same either way. I get kind of just frustrated and overwhelmed and grumpy. And that can be an opening for doing some deeper inquiry. Why am I feeling frustrated? Is there an expectation that I'm holding on to that I need to let go? Because I think a lot of times for me, that's what it is. It's like, yes, my material reality has shifted, but my internal reality hasn't really shifted to match that. So like my internal expectations that I'm holding of myself haven't shifted to match this external change that has come to pass. Um, so yeah, I don't know if that exactly answered the question, but I think that the aftermath is actually really more important than the burning down. And I saw somebody in the comments say that they are pulling the tower card. And you know, I think if we say like burning your life down, that tends to be what we think of, like the tower card, the tower moment. And throughout my process of writing, I came to, decide for myself, this is my perspective on it, that it's the tower, mm -hmm. but it's also the two of wands. And two of wands is, why am I doing what I'm doing? Why do I think that I need to do this? Why is this the option that I think is the right option? So asking yourself consistently throughout your life over time, why am I doing what I'm doing? And why can't I have the thing that I think that I want to have right now? Like really asking those two questions. And the more you ask those questions, the more prepared you are, I think, for the transitions that come when you are in like the tower or judgment. Um, because you've already been doing that internal work every step of the way so that when you get to the moment where there is that big tower burning down you know how to connect more with this is what feels good to me this is not what feels good to me but if you haven't done that work yeah you can burn your life down and you can change everything but you don't really have the tools to process that change in a way oh, that's gonna feel good yes. to you you know you remind me so much when you're talking about um, your various tower moments. And even when, you know, your roommate at the farm was like, you don't have to stay here. Like, you know, you don't have to do this. Um, it reminds me how often we maybe hand over our free will when we're in a tower card moment. And I've even seen myself do this in the past three years. Like I had this big manifestation of, um, like my business taking off and my podcast taking off and moving out and I wanted it to happen fast. And there were times when I felt like uh, that manifestation wasn't coming. And I almost felt like the universe sort of owed me. I'm like, why, why aren't you, why isn't this working? Like it was almost like a self pitying thing. And over the past three years I've learned in these tower moments, like 
it's not about like self-pitying when your greatest manifestations don't come along but it's almost like what do i do with the resources i have in front of me right at this moment even if this the resource i have in front of me is like garbage like how do i start making um how do i start making uh performance art out of this piece of trash like and that's the only way to navigate the tower card you have to take back your free will in some way i don't know free will i think that's something that you've been writing about when it comes to your book and how to actually grab your free will or take it back if that makes sense <laughs> yeah uh, I love this comment because I think I'm sure you know, like within the field of astrology, the concept of free will has some question around it. Do we actually <laughs> have free will? <laughs> and I think at certain points in time when my life has, I felt like my life was burning down around me and I didn't really have any um, you know, agency in my choice of that happening. I can't control the weather, you know, I can't control these, <laughs> some of these things that happen. Um, I have been like, very kind of logical about it, you know, looking at it really through the lens of astrology and saying, well, there's that Pluto transit, there's that Saturn transit, there's that Mars transit. Uh, this is apparently what that's gonna be about. And so how am I gonna just like be present with this transit because I know it's gonna last for X amount of time. But I also know that for me, I've gone through transits and you get through the transit, you get to the end of it and you're like, wow, Mars moved into a different sign and I don't feel any different. And so it's a fine line of, yes, looking to the planets to understand what's happening in my life and how I'm experiencing it and really being able to, for me, astrology helps me to put words to my feelings when I can't put my own words to my feelings. That's one of the most powerful things that it does for me. But if I become too focused on, well, that's just what this transit is about then i can kind of just give my agency over to it basically um so i do write a lot in the book about how i've had to learn throughout my life that i'm not just a victim of circumstance and i also think it's something that comes with being a sensitive person throughout your life being told basically that the way that you feel is incorrect the needs that you have don't matter. So then when you're put into a position where you're trying to create a different lifestyle for yourself that's more supportive to you, you can fall into a mindset of basically like continuing to perpetuate that idea towards yourself of, well, yeah, it would be really nice if I didn't have to you know, go to the grocery store when it's really busy or something like that. This is like a, just a stupid example, but you know, like that's not possible, but like obviously it is possible. I might have to change my life to do things in a way that's different than what other people do, but like I also have the option to do that. And there's no one here telling me that I can't do that. So, so much of the time I feel like I'm in my own way because I feel like I'm not allowing myself to do the things that I want to do or that I feel like I need to do because I've had a lifetime of people telling oh, me not to do those things. Totally. I, I think there's also this, um, uh, you know, this level of um, kind of, I, I, the word I associate it with is incapable. Like, why do I feel like there's something like I'm fundamentally incapable of? Um, and I remember, uh, you know, always being such a, like, avid reader as a kid, especially, um, being an English major in college kind of ruined that for me a little bit, just because I had to read so much and write so many papers. Now I'm still kind of healing my relationship with reading. I know that sounds weird, but used to read so much more, uh, as a kid, but I do remember having this, like, dream of writing a book and, but being in a library and being like, why did hundreds and hundreds of people write this book and I'm not gonna be able to do it? 
And I'm like, why did I think that as a kid? Or like, why did, why do we put, why do we internalize this sense of incapability? And I think sometimes it does come from maybe our parents projecting their fears onto us or society wants us to on some level believe in our incapabilities because it keeps us in the capitalistic wormhole of like, you know, like, oh, I can't leave this job because what else is there besides this horrible cycle of this job or whatever. But anyways, there feels kind of like we're speaking to Saturn and Pisces too. Um, for me, it's, it's a lot about the faith we have in ourselves and the beliefs that we, that are the foundation of who we want to become or who we are becoming or who we are. Um, so I'm sure you found that in burning your life down, you also had to challenge these like fundamental beliefs that you were holding about yourself and, you know, try to create new ones at least. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I think like what really comes up for me with is that we inherit a lot of our beliefs about ourselves, about our expectations of what our life is supposed to look like. And so one of the very first exercises in the book is um, going through some questions that help you to identify what are your actual values. Because values are something that are you know, basically handed to us from our family, from the people that surround us when we're growing up, from our teachers, and also from the culture that we grew up in. So I grew up in a pretty conservative rural community. Okay, <laughs> these are not values that I necessarily share, although there are some values that I did like in that space that I have carried with me throughout my life. But I think that so often we get like frustrated with ourselves because we feel like we're not meeting this expectation when we might not even have that expectation we might not even hold that value but we're just holding on to it because it's what we know and we actually get a ch choice you know so this is something that i did even it was really the first thing i did before i decided okay i've been married for like a year and a half and i was like something just does not feel right about this like the lifestyle that i'm living i don't feel like this is the right lifestyle for me and I just sit down and answer all of these questions that are in the book of, you know, what are my values? What were the values that I saw from the people around me growing up? So like safety and security was something that was a huge value in the community that I grew up in, but it wasn't necessarily a value that I had when I was in my early 20s. When I was in my early 20s, I wanted to have a good time. And I was like married and like living, you know, we had like a house. It was like very established, very secure life, which is wonderful. But I was like, I feel oppressed by this. Um, <laughs> And so I decided, you know, my val one of my core values is like freedom and that I want to be able to have freedom to do what I want to do. And I want to be able to, um, for me, like, it's not only identifying the value, it's like, what will that look like for you in your life? So for me, that looks like I want to be outside. I don't want to be told you can't go outside. <laughs> That's like just insane to me <laughs> that we spend so much time inside. Anyway, so... I decided, okay, if this is a value that I have, then I need to make my choices in my life that fit that value. And I'd never even considered that, you know, that was something that was so important to me. Um, but then I did, and it was really healing for me. It was extremely amazing uh, until it ended because I broke my hand. And so that was like the external world kind of burning my life down yet again. <laughs> So, if it feels anyway, comfortable, yeah. what was it, um, and I know this is a vulnerable thing I'm asking you to speak to, but what was it like um, sort of maybe not admitting to yourself, because it seems like the divorce was kind of like maybe the first moment of burning the life down in a lot of ways. Like, what was it like admitting to yourself this this um, partnership isn't in alignment and how did you decide to face that slash did you also see the option of of not facing it and just letting it be did you consider that option 
Yeah. So I married my high school boyfriend, my high school sweetheart. <laughs> uh, and we had been together, you know, all through college. We lived together in college. And it just seemed like the natural thing and like I said, I grew up in a pretty conservative rural community. I went to a big high school, so it's not like everyone in my school was getting married when they were 18. And, you know, in some communities in Iowa, that is kind of what it looks like. So I wasn't like the norm. It wasn't the norm to get married when you were really young. But it also wasn't abnormal to get married when you were really young. And... um. I think that I just really approached it from a lens of this is the right thing to do because this is what uh, everyone kind of does basically or like what most people do. The other thing was that I was pretty aware growing up that I was queer. So I knew that I was attracted to women when I was very young, you know, like in elementary school, I already like had identified that okay, this is something that I feel people apparently are not feeling. So that's, I don't know what to do about that. So I already had that like seed of shame implanted really at a very young age. And it sounds really morbid, but I'll just say it because I know a lot of other people have had this experience. I felt this kind of responsibility to have a heterosexual marriage and get married before my grandparents died. And that didn't until after my grandparents died. So basically, you know, it doesn't necessarily make me look good, but it's just the way that my psychology and everything like worked in my brain at that point in my life was like, well, I love this man. He is a very kind man. We get along together really well. We have a lot of shared interests. And we were both very passionate about the environment, which is something that's still very, really important to me. And so there were a lot of things that made sense about our relationship. And so I was just approaching everything through that lens of like, this makes sense, this makes sense, this makes sense. But also in the back of my mind, knowing this probably isn't going to be forever because I still have this part of myself that I would like to express mm -hmm. at a certain point in time, but I don't feel comfortable expressing it until this in my family changes. Uh, and then I write about in the book that around the time that I got married is when Orange <laughs> is the New Black came out. Uh, so yes. it was like, you know, a huge topic of conversation, like these show about queer women <laughs> in the Litchfield penitentiary, penitentiary. And I, Laura Prepon was like my girl crush, you know, growing up. And in this show, she's a lesbian. And my friends were talking about it. And I could see like, okay, things are kind of changing. Actually, I think it's really a lot of people who are, you know, younger don't understand how much um, friction and tension and conflict there was around LGBTQ, like even being out as a lesbian. And I think not everyone's going to agree with this. I do think it was harder to come out as a lesbian than it was to come out as a gay man in the early 2000s to 2010s um, because there's different standards for women than there are for men. And women are more expected, I think, to toe the line of their mm -hmm. gender expectation. So, I mean, we could get into like a whole deep conversation about that, but... I won't go into all of that right now. Anyway, I saw, okay, there's this like cultural change that's happening. And I just felt like maybe I don't have to wait. <laughs> maybe I don't have to wait until my grandparents die. And actually maybe it would be better to just end the marriage really quickly. And he can go on with his life. He's still very young. I'm still very young. And so I had like a very logical kind of perspective on the entire thing. That's not to say it wasn't incredibly painful. It was extremely painful. But I left and I went on a vacation by myself. I went to Nashville, Tennessee for a week. Mm -hmm. And I just knew, you know, when I was there, I was like, I feel so relieved. I can be myself. I don't have to like play the role of a wife and I'm 24 I'd rather be in Nashville going out to like listen to 
all of these bands and stuff than to uh, go back and be a wife in Iowa. Oh. <laughs> so. oh, yes, I um, thank you so much for sharing that. I just felt like we needed to talk about it in some way. And um, what I'm piecing out from that, um, first of all, I want to say I, I really resonate with your experience. I don't have the experience of being married, but I do have the experience of being in, um, you know, a, a handful of relationships with cis men and always, always, always facing this sort of um, thing at the end of the road, which was like, well, how do I, how do I get to being with a woman while still being in the container of being with this man? So there were so many boyfriends mm -hmm. where I had conversations with them about like, oh, well, can I have a free pass if, you know, there's a girl that I want to hook up with? Or can I, this be something that I experiment with, like it, it, within our, you know, heteronormative thing? And, you know, just in the past couple of years, I've, oh, it's been such a relief to let go of that structure and just be like, oh, okay, I just want to date women. How about that? <laughs> you know, like, how about it's not, you know, like, how about it's not, uh, it's not necessarily this thing that I have to manipulate and work around. And that's something that I'm picking up from the energy of what you just shared. Like, how do you know when it's time to burn something down, a relationship, a job? It's when you're constantly trying to make it right like it, it, it is that sort of cliche, like putting a, what is it like a round block in a square hole? Like, and it's like, you keep doing that over and over again. And you're making so many concessions in order to uphold some sort of value system that isn't even yours. So like, I think if we find ourselves, whether it's in a relationship or even like just a relationship pattern or somewhere where we just feel like, oh, I keep, I don't feel right in this. And for it even to feel kind of right, I have to make so many compromises. It's like, well, what the, f let's just live a life where we don't have to make all these compromises, you know? Um, but I'm wondering your, your reaction to that. And also Ellis wants to know what your sun, moon and rising is. <laughs> I'm a Cancer Moon, Cancer Rising, Capricorn Sun, and I yes. have like yes. five planets in Capricorn. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> let's talk about your parents. <laughs> um, yeah, I think that's totally true, and I have definitely found that to be true in my life. Where, like, for me, it was just—it wasn't just the marriage; it was kind of everything like I was really struggling with sensory issues working in an office I hadn't necessarily anticipated that that was going to be a problem for me um but it very quickly became a major problem for me and so there was that there was my husband who like honestly I I didn't come I didn't get divorced and be like I'm a lesbian I just got divorced and was like I have some stuff I need to figure out <laughs> and I would like do that not here I would like to do that away from my family and away from um, being around people right. who expect me to be a certain way so that I can just see who I am when I'm not in that environment and see what kind of choices that I make I think that I am somebody who really likes the idea of of control um, and the idea of routine and the idea of kind of knowing what to expect but I also have a big part of myself that craves adventure and change and new experiences so one of the kind of sticking points that I found in my marriage was that my husband was more about wanting to be in that like safe secure I know I go to my job every day and I come home and like that kind of thing. And I was kind of trying to get us to consider maybe new experiences, new adventures that we could go on together um, and how we could make, be, make some changes in our life to support that. And he was just like, I don't really want to do that. And I was like, well, that's not great because I do. <laughs> and, 
And when we were in college, it was totally different. You're in a different environment, you know, where it is more of a free, fun kind of an environment. But uh, yes, I have all of the Cancer and Capricorn, but I also have Sagittarius and Aquarius. And it's like, I'm just getting pulled at the seams sometimes it feels like, because I have these two very different parts of myself. But uh, I had been the one part of myself, you know, I had been the secure, stable, get good grades, do all the right things, get the job. I'd done that. And so I just was more at a point of like, who is this other side of myself? Who is this other part of me? And that part of me was starting to come out more, but it didn't fit into the marriage. And so I had the choice of basically stick with what you know or go with what you don't know. And I decided at that point in time to go with what I didn't know. Um, I'm also, if anyone's into human design, I'm a 6'2". So in my early 20s, well, all throughout my 20s, I was a uh, line five, which is more of like a adventure, breaking out of the box, doing different things. And I did notice for sure after my Saturn return, I now am a little bit more into the like routine and like all of that but I needed to not be that way when I was in my 20s I really needed to be able to feel free to experience more of what life and I more of what life had to offer and I'm really glad that I did because now at the age that I am I don't have the energy and the capacity to do some of the things that I did when I was younger and so I'm grateful to myself for making that decision even though it was really hard because I wouldn't be able to make that choice now. um, It it makes so much sense and I want to go back to your correlation between the tower and the two of wands because i think there's part of being in the two of two of wands and the tower well but the two of wands feels a little bit more conscious like i'm consciously choosing the unknown versus the known um that's an extremely Mm -hmm. difficult choice to make (laughs) you know it really is Mm -hmm. and even if uh, you, me, you and I have very similar like chart placements where we have a lot of like, yeah, we have a lot of cancer, but then also we have Sagittarius and Aquarius and, um, you know, there's, there's something in me that sometimes I do feel like it's easy to choose the unknown because of my Sagittarius placements. Like I'm like, oh, I kind of, I want to befriend the unknown. And I even find myself projecting a lot of judgment onto people who are so like attached to the un to the known i'm like why why the heck are you not but then i'm like oh it's a projection because there's a huge part of me that wants control as well and um i'm thinking ash when it comes to when we're on like the cliff like life has us like pushed up against the cliff and it's like all right now you're only choice now is to choose the unknown or now the next step is the unknown um what kind of symptoms do you think comes up that you've seen within yourself and with your clients uh is that a weird question (laughs) no weird question i think what this brings up for me is in the book i write about A lot of people, one of the biggest questions that people tend to have for me is like, how do you know it's intuition? And I think that a lot of people have a a challenge with identifying what's my intuition and what's my anxiety, basically. And I think when you're kind of at that cliff point that usually the fear your where your brain is like thinking about everything that could go wrong and all of the fear that comes up with that that is usually more the anxiety and the anxiety is not there with no purpose the anxiety is there to keep you safe and it wants you to stay you know physically and mentally secure and safe and so that's the purpose of it whereas i feel like intuition is more what's pushing you often in the direction that's not, it's not necessarily that it's unsafe always, but our brains think that it's unsafe to go in the direction that's going to maybe lead us to 
losing the respect of people who we care about or um, feeling judged by other people. So I think if like those are your number one concerns really are more like the fear of how other people are going to react, that that's probably more coming from anxiety or brain noise is what I tend to call it. Um, whereas if like if you can get to a point of, I recognize that I am worried about how other people are going to react, but I can't control their reactions. I can only control myself in this situation. Then that allows the intuition to be more clear and you will know, is it time for me to make this change or is it not time for me to make this change? I also think that intuition doesn't necessarily have the sense of urgency around it. Intuition is usually something to me where I will have something come up, you know, a few times before I, a few times, eight times, 20 times, you know, like I didn't just go to Nashville and, be, and come home and be like, oh, I'm gonna get a divorce. I had been thinking about it. But I've been like questioning even before we got married, like, is this the right thing to do? Is this really what I wanna do? And so, I had responded to that inner feeling and ignored it so many times that I knew when it was time. So to me, that's kind of part of what the two of wands is, is not mm -hmm. ignoring it for so long earlier, not letting it get to the point where the only option is to take the tower. Because if you actually respond to the two of wands earlier on in the process, you don't get yourself into, okay, there's no uh, option. I just got to do the tower. Oh, now. gosh. You know, and can I just say to anybody who's listening, um, you know, I, especially this year, I've made a lot of choices that were very much in alignment with my intuition, but my nervous system's reaction, oh God, it was a disaster. God, it was, it was, it was horrible. Yeah. Like, um, it, you know, I, you know, I made the decision to sign a lease in Chicago and my intuition, you know, threw me for a loop with that one. Like I was really shocked that that's what I was, you know, trusting myself to do. And that's what I was hearing I needed to do. Um, and for about a month, I was just, it was nervous system deregulation. Um, you know, I don't cry a lot. I'm on Prozac. I, I called Taylor Schuler crying. She's an astrologer I've had on the podcast before. Like it was, it was like, it was oh, up and down, up and down. So just because I'm so thankful though, that I had that experience. That was mostly the month of September kind of leading up to my move. I am so grateful for that because it shows me that just because there is, for me, there was a massive amount of anxiety. Just because there was a massive amount of anxiety didn't mean I was making the wrong choice. Um, it, it, does that, did you, do you feel that at all, Ash, like that? Okay. I write about that a lot in the book. And that was, I think, something I had to learn throughout my 20s. Like, just because you're anxious doesn't mean you took the wrong turn. And so learning for me about how my nervous system responds in transition and stress has been so incredibly important because sometimes you get so dysregulated and you think, okay, there must be something wrong, there must be something wrong. And your body is responding that way, but it doesn't mean that you made the wrong choice. So learning how to actually care, you know, for ourselves and to bring that sense of safety and security into our body, you can bring a sense of safety and security into your body in some of the most stressful situations. And it, it's, really important it's especially important in times when there is not actually active danger but you feel like there is um so i write about that more in like the third part of the book um and i hope to write more about that in the future because it's something that i've been doing a lot of work on myself in the past couple of years but i do share some of the things that i found I'm, to be most uh, I'm so glad we're talking about this because I actually think for a long time, if I, I was listening to anxiety more than my intuition and it was, it, it wasn't 
the best, you know, it's, and, you know, getting those two things mixed up, very natural. I think we broke both probably still do it once in a while, you know, um, but the more you become a good caretaker to your nervous system, that's actually how you parse out what is my anxiety and what is my intuition. Um, at least that's my opinion, what I've arrived to after these past, you know, three to five years. Mm -hmm. Totally agree. And one of the things that I have people do at the very beginning of the book is checking in with your yes and your no. So if you, it feels like an authentic yes to you, where do you feel that in your body? And if it feels like an authentic no to you, where do you feel that in your body? And it's been really interesting. I did it in a free challenge that I did before I put it into the book. And it was really interesting to read about people's, you know, responses. We do it with questions that are non-important questions. Like, do I want to yeah. eat Chinese <laughs> food for dinner? <laughs> Yeah. And not like, I want to move to Chicago. <laughs> because that's like practicing that two of wands um, thing that we've been talking about. But I had one client, she's a regular client of mine, and she commented on it that her experience was like, I know the yes or no, but then my brain has all of these things about like, well, yes, I like cows, but not if I have to be around them, you know, like in the <laughs> past year, but like from afar or something. All of these like kind of caveats and stuff like that. And she was like, so how do I stop doing that? And I was like, that's not the point. The point is you knew the yes and you knew the no and you could hear all the stuff that came after. You don't have to get rid of the stuff that comes after. The point is just to focus on the yes and the no. And that that's what we're practicing right now. We're not practicing, I want to get rid of the brain chatter because that's something separate. You know, that's actually not a part of what the focus of this exercise is. And I think people have, of course, we would all like to get rid of our anxiety. We would all like to get rid of our brain chatter, but it's also not the enemy. It's there really for a reason. And when we recognize the reason that it's there, then we can decide how much weight we want to give to it. Um, and so it's not about eliminating that and, oh, I only listen to my intuition or something like that. It's really more recognizing that they're different they're different tools. They feel different in your body. They feel different in your brain. And when you can differentiate between what they feel like, then you can decide which one is more important oh. to listen to. And maybe the moment. more we burn our lives down, the more we are just taking anxiety or fear along for the ride. You know, we're almost getting comfortable mm -hmm. with that being our, our friend that we're like, all right, we got to take them, you know, like we, you know, we got to, we got to bring them, we got to invite him to the party. He's not going to take no for an answer. And it's like, okay, well, if I can get, if I can increase my threshold for experiencing fear, experiencing anxiety, I mean, this is why it's not fun to burn your life down, but I do think things, you know, get better when we do you know, uh, expand our threshold for those uncomfortable feelings. Um, and Ellis mm -hmm. said, do you ever get confused about a decision when you feel like it's in alignment, but it might look like it's a repeating pattern? Um, Ash, do you have any reactions to that question? Yeah. So I have a few different thoughts about it. One is that one of the biggest things astrology has taught me is that repeating patterns are a part of life. So it's not necessarily bad if you're in a pattern, if you're in something that feels like I've been here before. And I write in the book too about times in my life when I made a decision, I followed my intuition, and then I did feel like, why am I here again? Why am I in this same position that I was in three years ago, six years ago, 12 years ago, whatever. And that's a part of life. It's a part of life. You don't learn the lesson the first time around. You usually do need to, I think, be in a similar 
experience, but you're a different person. Putting yourself in a similar experience, but you've grown, it's, it's really meant to reflect back to you how you have grown and changed as a person. So sometimes making an aligned decision might take you into a direction that feels very similar to one that you've been in before. So like, for example, um, after I was working on farms, I broke my hand, I had to move in with my parents, which was a whole adventure in itself. And when my partner and I had to leave our business, we had to move into her mom's basement for a while. And it's not necessarily that that's like a, you know, a, a cycle that I need to break or something like that, but it is a repeating pattern. Okay, I'm at this point in my life, I thought that this is something that I was gonna be in for years. It's not because there's been an external factor that's come in and stopped the journey that I thought was going to be a five-year journey and made it a two and a half year journey. Now I'm going to live with family. And I talk about, it's like, you're go I was going into the basement. You're going down below the surface. You're going into like the fourth house um, and you are figuring it out down there, but at least you had that feeling of like, safety. Okay, I had a place to land. Now I can be down here hiding in the basement and I can figure some stuff while, out while I'm here before I start moving back up the chart and going back up into the sunlight. So I don't think that's, uh, I think there's a lot of focus on breaking the cycle. And I think that breaking the cycle can be really great. You know, like I, I come from a family of weirdos and I'm an unapologetic weirdo. I don't hide the fact that I'm weird and different from other people. To me, that's breaking a cycle and that's a powerful breaking of a cycle because it's empowering. But sometimes we put so much pressure on ourselves to like not be like our parents or something like that, not be like our family. I'm like, you're going to be like your family. <laughs> to break it through. You don't have to be exactly like them. You don't have to, you know, do things the same way that they did them. But there are going to be aspects of you that are just a part of who you are. It's not necessarily about breaking the cycle, I guess. For me, it's more about integrating what was good from that and leaving behind what wasn't good from that. Um, and yeah, so finding that balance between putting the pressure on yourself to break the cycle, which to me ends up just being pressure that people put on themselves to be like fully healed, which I don't think is a real thing because you're gonna go through your whole life having all these different experiences that are gonna challenge you, that are gonna traumatize you, and you're gonna have to heal from them. So like, just take the pressure off of, I gotta be like a fully healed person because that's not, probably yes. pressure. Uh, I love that, Ash. And you know what that question also kind of reminds me of in a weird way. Um, so uh, I'm actually, I'm kind of a big fan of uh, Steve-O who is on Jackass and he has, he has a podcast now. I, I like the content he puts out and I think he was on maybe like Whitney Cummings podcast. He was talking about how bad at some point his sex addiction was. And he had to hire, like, mm -hmm. he hired literally a professional, like, cock blocker, basically, who, like, followed him around and was like, "We, you cannot have sex. Like, you know, he, like, cock blocked every attempt that Steve-O, and Steve-O's paying him to do this, right? And blah, blah, blah. And, you know, he goes, like, I don't know, 200 days, totally chased. And then eventually he, he meets his life partner, who, who he's with now, and he had to figure out how to now have a healthy sexual relationship with his partner as like a recovering sex addict. And it reminds me that like mm -hmm. that thing that, that, you know, we're trying to heal, we're probably going to have to face it in a new way eventually. Like it's never going to be something we could just get to push out of our lives. Um, we're just going to have to rewrite the narrative with that thing, you know? Yeah. yeah, absolutely. And I feel that way about like being sensitive too, because sometimes I think that that's some of the pressure that 
some of it comes from for people that I talk to, like, okay, my parents were kind of boring and reclusive. Do I feel like I have to be the opposite of them to break the cycle? Or can I find a sense of comfort with knowing that as I age, I will probably become more reclusive because that's what I have witnessed from my parents. And even though as a teenager, I thought that was annoying and frustrating, as an adult, I understand more why they were that way. And I can see the benefits to it. So do I want to do it exactly the same way that they did? No. Like, would I like to have some friends? Sure. But is that actually something that's really important to me? Or is that just something that I feel like should be important to me? Because when I was a teenager, I felt like that was something that I wanted to be important to me as an adult. Whereas now that I'm an adult, I realize maybe that's not as important to me as it was when I was like 15. Oh, it, it's so true. It's so true. Uh, I just want to read Lauren's comment. Uh, I always say that the brain will fight to remain in the status quo the heart is not bound by anything other than expansion and truth. Uh, thanks for saying that, Lauren. That's really beautiful. Um, and Ash, uh, I definitely want to give you space as we're nearing the end of our hour. I want to give you space to talk about, you know, your book and, um, you know, where people can download it and, and stuff like that. But uh, I was going to ask you one more thing that now I'm I'm forgetting um so maybe talk about where to find your book and then I'll see if it comes back to me yeah so this is my book yeah, so you can find it it's so you want to burn your life down and my handle's Ash Gravity but I have my real name um on here because that was important to me so my name is Ash Bruxford it's really hard to spell if you my feed you can see it uh and there's a link in my uh, bio too you can order it on amazon and a physical copy or in an ebook uh so yeah i would love if you took a you know took a look at it it is written as i've kind of talked about throughout our conversation in alternating chapters so some parts are memoir stories from my own life things I had to learn and figure out along the way. And then there's opportunities for you to take action um, through journal prompts. There's tons of shadow work stuff. If you like shadow work, you're gonna love it because there's tons of it in there. <laughs> um, there's some very intro, like astrology, tarot, witchy things, but it was really written for somebody who's entering from like, I don't really know anything. I'm just kind of dipping my toe into the water of building my intuition. Um, but there's lots of great stuff with the stories. Um, I feel like I had one other thing I was going to say about it. Uh, oh, it's not, you know, a Saturn return um, handbook or anything like that, but it definitely can be used <laughs> as one if you wanted to. Um, yeah, I write about my own Saturn return. The, the entire book basically spans when I went through my Saturn return. So if you're going to be going through your Saturn return in the next few years, or even if you're wrapping up your Saturn return, um, oh, I think you'd still probably I, get a lot I'm out ready. Of it. I'm ready. My Saturn return is starting in March. So, and I've already gotten so much out of the free content you've posted, you know, snippets from how to burn your life down on your Instagram. So can't wait to do the whole shebang. And I remembered the thing I was going to ask, Ash. Um, Maybe as a little ending treat, could you assign us a journaling prompt that you just maybe think from what either uh, one that you've already developed or even one that comes from the conversation we had? Uh, yeah, like what what could we what could we write about this week? <laughs> yeah, uh, I think that okay. This is I'm going to give you like a few okay. that are kind of related to each other. So, um, what traits or behaviors do you admire and respect in others? I think is a really great question. And then I think 
these two kind of go with it. What did your guardians approve of and value in others? And what did they disapprove of or reject in others? So I think those are really great questions to just start with. And if you don't want to think about like your parents or guardians, you can also just think about like the general culture oh, that you grew up I'm, in. I'm ready. I'm ready. I've, I've got my I've got my pen ready. Ash. Um, <laughs> oh, well, thanks so much. I just wanted to yeah, congratulate you. And I wanted to shine a spotlight on you because I just think it's really great. I really truly admire the self publishing stuff. And um, I hope in full agreement that you get some new followers and people who really resonate with your book from this. Awesome. Well, I really appreciate you having oh, me on. Awesome. I always enjoy talking to you. Um, and and yeah, I hope everyone who- Yay, me too. Okay, Ash, week. we'll talk soon. And uh, thanks everybody for listening and all of your sweet comments. Bye guys. Yeah.